0: War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, to petro.com. It's Wednesday. It is November 16th. Obviously, last night was a big night with the announcement with uh, President Trump. I'm going to talk about that. But I also want to um, mention there's an interesting story that I just saw posted in the Valley Breeze. And it talks about, and I was there, and I even had him on the next day, Dick Fossa was the mayor of north providence was the chief of staff to north providence mayor charlie lombardi and it was just posted to the valley breeze lombardi and fossa say split on governor's ticket won't tear them apart so fossa was at this democrats for ashley and that was in Pawtucket, at mng trucking i believe i went and covered it and they had a good crowd of people in there and they had some north providence council people there well within the story and they talk about how um you know how is it going to work and it says the north providence mayor who attended multiple events in support of mckee said he was disappointed that support for the republican was put out there so publicly at democrats for ashley he wished the ultimate vote north providence given a wider margin to mckee and he was happy to see governor mckee win he said he's disappointed that fossa and others would support kalis but said it won't affect his relationship so lombardi also said thank god the vote in north providence wasn't anywhere near what happened in johnston folks and this should not be underestimated by the republican party ashley kalis (laughs) won johnston 51 to 45 trounced him really in north providence governor mckee won 54 to uh, 42 but um johnston was certainly different and i'd have to look at the mail ballots for north providence but anyhow while north providence and also how about this narrowly voted sabina matos 48 to 46 again republican aaron gukian won in johnston 55 to 39 the republican party needs to identify johnston that is a stronghold for them that's a place to build on i i think as a matter of fact i i believe both north providence in uh, Johnston are places for the Republican Party to build, but that's that's pretty amazing. Now, within the story, though, and again, this is in the Valley Breeze. Uh, Fossa indicated his support was rooted more in political differences with Governor McKee. So he said Monday that Charlie Lombardi, the mayor, knew where he stood, stood, and said he was fine with differing. He said he found Calus to be a great candidate. Uh, fossa said she wouldn't be holden to anyone we also learned it in this uh i didn't see at the time but so dick fossa who i have tremendous respect for former mayor of north providence chief of staff to mayor Charlie lombardi he was with helena folks but they talk about that there was a fundraiser earlier this year there was a lombardi fundraiser when an aide to governor mckee so this is earlier this year 2022 they're at a fundraiser for north providence mayor charlie lombardi and an aide to the governor came up to him three times asking him come speak with the governor as mckee was in a confrontation with two people from north providence despite Foster saying the first time i'll be over in a minute when he did go over Fossa said he shooed the two men away from McKee to avoid embarrassment for the governor in Lombardi, telling McKee not to worry about them. They're just a couple of political people from North Providence. What happened next, said Fossa, shocked him. Now, again, this is in the Valley Breeze. Dick Fossa on record. He said he'll take a lie detector test, testifying. McKee turned, so he shooes whoever these two people are away from Governor McKee. And like enough of that. He turns to Governor McKee. And he said McKee pointed to the two men as he walk away and say, I'm not taking his blank. I'm not taking his blank. Then he turned to Fossa and said, and I'm not taking your blank. Quote in the Valley Breeze Dick Fossa, I wanted to punch him right in the mouth. <laughs> A former mayor of North Providence, political operative going back many decades. Since that day, said Fossa, he's walked away from McKee on multiple occasions, telling him and his aides to never look at him again. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Fossa said he'd be happy to take a lie detector test on his claim and pay for it himself. Now, Governor McKee declined to comment this week. Lombardi said he didn't hear the exact exchange, but confirmed it went something like that. Fossa noted the vote he and Lombardi long agreed on, many candidates going back to when Fossa started Democrats for Cacciari, and Lombardi backed that effort. Now, also at the October 25th Democrats for Ashley event (laughs) were North Providence counselors Ron Bacala and Steve Persino and planning board member Shane Pichet, owner of the Senadale Revival, who has butted heads with McKee on numerous issues. Asked Monday whether he was one of the two people who got in the confrontation with McKee at the Lombardi fundraiser. Shane said he would neither confirm nor deny that point. He said he doesn't expect North Providence officials to open support of Kalis to hurt the town. said he wants to see McKee do well now that he's the victor. Lombardi may have been upset with some people how everything went down, but there's nothing personal in the situation. Shane said McKee has a bitter record of not having the best approach or demeanor and interactions. And he imagines that Fossa, a man he said he has more respect than just about anyone who knows, didn't take kindly to being disrespected in that way. Hey, you go to the election night, hang up on them. Hey, Eva. Hang up on them. That's that's true. And also the way he was with the reporter from the Boston Globe. So that that is true. Bakla said he did what he did in supporting Kayla's wishes McKee nothing but the best going forward. Uh Lapresino said he doesn't think what transpired to the campaign will hurt anything. Everyone has the right to choose, vote for the person they're choosing. That's true, but they did it pretty publicly. So that is um incredible. I had not heard this story. They didn't tell it that night and uh very good reading in the valley breeze so and and let me just say this folks i mean dick fossa is obviously someone to be respected and and mayor lombardi i mean he is not the type of person you're gonna um to be pushed around so now i also want to um point out something very significant happened this morning and that is that uh boy that's interesting um hmm that is a very interesting development so uh john lugo the providence police officer has now been acquitted of his simple assault charge and so remember that was the situation back in june at the state house and it was the abortion rally and john lugo was trying to defend someone he was just acquitted of that assault charge against jennifer rourke so i'm interested to see um how that is now going to come out because he they moved to fire him from the providence police department but they acquitted him of that simple assault charge so that is incredible for john lugo this is interesting now. Someone's putting out that he should sue Bill Bartholomew or WPRO for defamation, in doctoring the video. Um. I, I, um I, I'm I'm noticing that in real time. That Bill Bartholomew has. Um, he had that up for the. Lo- he had that up for the longest time as far as he he did this video of what happened and then in slow motion he had the slap of John Lugo to Jennifer Rourke so someone is saying he should now sue WPRO and Bill Bartholomew and I did notice that as I said Bill Bartholomew for for, since June he's had that pinned up on his um he's had it pinned up on his i know for some people that oh let me see this there's more details here judge hoolihan said during the summer night lugo approached the disturbance out of concern for the public order he found they were pressed forward by the crowd when it surged hoolihan said a melee ensued as lugo attempted to reach the now infamous still unidentified man Houlihan said Rourke held Lugo back, and the courts accept Lugo was trying to stop more violence from happening. He has a duty to maintain the public order. Potential for further violence was imminent. The court can speculate Lugo should have identified himself as a cop, but again said it was a melee. It happened in a scant few seconds. Court said it did not find Lugo's conduct unreasonable. Lugo gave someone a hug outside the courtroom and left immediately. He had no comment. Dan Griffin, his lawyer, said he's very, very happy uh that this happened so Luger gave someone a hug outside the courtroom and left immediately they didn't know who that was um that is quite the defense he put on and uh that that is interesting now that hmm if in fact this could be uh why is this no longer (laughs) pinned I'll be curious to see if in fact John Lugo goes after WPRO and Bill Bartholomew for doctoring that video, I mean the guy was just acquitted. It totally he got, you know, it destroyed. It threw off his life. He had to withdraw from the race. The reporter who he did do an interview with from the Providence Journal, she just put in some um, some pretty good details on that. Now, folks, I recognized last night. I watched it like everyone else. Um, President Trump in the big announcement last night and I, i'll say this i first of all he it's in, i i can't believe what i'm seeing in the new york post new york post has it on buried on page 26 and they have been there done that they really go after him it's not on the front page they have a mention of it they call him florida man 720 days to go before the next election this is the new york post now florida retiree made the announcement the surprise announcement he's running for president in a move no political pundits saw coming avid golfer donald trump kicked things off at mar-a-lago his resort classified documents library <laughs> my god trump famous for gold-plated lobbies and for firing people on reality television will be 78 in 2024 if elected he'd tie biden as the oldest president to take office his cholesterol levels are unknown, but his favorite food is a charred steak with ketchup. He stated his qualifications often include being a stable genius. So I, I I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. I want to play a little bit. I watched it last night. I'll, I'll tell you what I think in just a moment. We have more time to...
1: And I'm a victim, I will tell you. I'm a victim. Think of it. Uh, thank you.
0: You know, I I think he started off strong, and people were certainly mentioning how calm he seemed how his demeanor didn't break he didn't start going into the election but then I went on and then went on now several things i think president trump physically looked very good um he 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 looks rested i i don't know i mean he is just amazing how he can even focus with all the legal situations going on I, i'm gonna with frame um listen last night as i was watching it the trump announcement you you get excited he has an incredible gift he has incredible ability i think he he is so funny when he's not trying to be funny when he started talking about eric and saying my son has more subpoenas than al capone and billy the kid i i am literally i was laughing out loud as i was watching it in in a good way um he he is so dynamic he is so dynamic now i i thought it went you know it it started off they try to just have him read he was staying on script it was pretty low-key it was a low-key but i i think you know at times he just delivers and he really can light up the room but i i just caution people it's a long way to go and i i I don't like when people are annoyed so i see people already saying president trump will win in a landslide i i just don't believe that it's different than 15 and 16 it just is uh there were a number of people that did not like hillary clinton and voted for him but the entire landscape is different this business went in a landslide i am not and i mean it folks i'm trying to be objective i've had people oh you're jumping on the DeSantis bandwagon you can't deny the success that governor DeSantis has had in florida i mean you 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 can't i don't like the criticism of him and governor glenn youngkin the governor of virginia is a very impressive guy he he deserves a shot to run there are a number of people that want to run i mentioned that yesterday so obviously after watching last night i like anyone else i mean i i i have president trump is just such a dynamic leader it's it's terrible certain things went off really went off track uh it really to me really started going off track during covid uh those long briefings i i just uh, listen he is who he is he's 76 he's not going to change the announcement went too long the announcement was supposed to be under 45 minutes whole thing was supposed to be at, at the half hour mark it was fine it was perfect he should have just wrapped it up there and hannity's watching it and hannity like he should be wrapping up here and then and then the next thing you know, it's going into he's on still during Lori Ingram. Goes over an hour. You can't I you, you can't operate that way. It it loses it. It then he was taking jabs. President Trump was that it was low energy. You know where he stands. There's no question he was better with the economy. I think, but he's gonna have a lot to defend. I want to remind people, and if you're a Trump supporter listening, in 2016 he had no record to defend. None. He didn't have to a lot of the stuff he had to defend was like the stormy daniels thing and the access hollywood tape and just certain deals like that but nothing the likes of there are certain people that will never get past january 6th that's just a fact that will be brought out on a debate stage there are certain people um it was good last night he didn't spend the whole time complaining about 2020 which was positive I noticed initially the first reactions to people were they thought he had hit a home run and did a great job. Then it dragged on. Then it dragged on. Then Hannity's off. Then Laura comes on, and he's still talking. I also want to point out to people that he he's not getting big coverage on Fox. It, the the success that President Trump had was his rallies were covered on CNN. His rallies were carried on MSNBC. His rallies were obviously covered on Fox He's not going to get coverage on all those places. It's not going to be like that. It's an uphill climb. You can't rule him out. Uh, Sometime next year, we will see him on a debate stage with some of those people. Nikki Haley, I think Chris Christie, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence. And then we'll see how he handles himself as he's just along a line of other Republicans. So it's a long way to go i thought all in all it was a good night i was happy for the president looked to be a tremendous crowd and mar-a-lago looked great and the flags and it's also interesting his daughter Ivanka, is not on board this time she is not she's going to sit this one out her and jared kushner for different reasons they're just not going along on the ride for this one so but all in all you know we'll play some sound coming up people are reacting to that but i would just caution people it's a long way to go You can't tell. You really start to see them out there, and then we'll see how things are handled. All right. Much more ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service matthews oil company 401-942-7500 to the john de show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 9 fm you can always listen online at the website to petro.com joining us right now he is a columnist with the boston globe focuses primarily on rhode island it is dan mcgowan and boy dan mcgowan your column how not to fix the providence public schools certainly has people talking in the city i'm going to push back on this a little bit but i want to give you a chance (laughs) to make a good argument in this but it was really extraordinary and and i i think just some people maybe election uh, hangover fatigue didn't fully get the attention but to have ambassador former mayor joe Panlino to have angel tavares and then also current mayor jorge alorza have a press conference with with uh, incoming mayor brett smiley at city hall and i i don't know how else to look at it other than really take it to the teachers union and all three of them on record here's what you need to do get more charter schools you need to as you write declare war on it um I, I really want to hear, you know, your thoughts on on what it brought you to write the column where you, it sounds like you didn't like any part of this at all.
1: Well, I, I should say, and you know, you and I have talked about this for a long time, John. I mean, there's probably been nobody, uh, maybe with the exception of you, uh, in the local media has been more critical of the Providence Teachers Union, you know, in the, in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I, I, have, I, I think that they, without question, have been obstructionists on the takeover, um, I thought they embarrassed themselves by the way they treated Mayor Lorza years ago, and the uh, you know, when he gave his state of the city, state of the city is <clears terrible. <clears <throat> and, and so, you know, let's be very clear no fan of the teachers' union, the way they act here. I think what is what was troubling to me about this, and you're right, it's an extraordinary move to have you know, uh, the current mayor, two former mayors, by the way, they're not all best buddies, right? Palino and no. Uh, get along really well. They don't, neither of them particularly like Mayor Lorza very much. Right. Um, so there's interesting dynamics there. The, the thing that I found uh, just frustrating, uh, you know, as somebody who covers this, is there is real need for dramatic change um, in the Providence School Department the, in, 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 with the contract and with everything else. I think the challenge that these, that particularly led by this mayor, Mayor Lorza, is they have been able to build zero support for actually doing it. And for the last couple of months, or certainly the last couple of weeks, Mary Lawrence has been running around town trying to get people on board. I'm talking about Brown University, the Rhode Island Foundation, uh, the Partnership for Rhode Island, the Education Commissioner, Angelica Infante Green, and everybody has said to him, look, this is going to do more harm than good. It's going to put Brett Smiley in a particularly bad place because the teachers already don't like him because uh, he was a part of the Raimondo administration. Uh, it's it's a, the, the, te- the, the charter schools are saying, we don't have the space or the bodies, the teaching bodies to actually do what you're asking to do. And I think the mayor wants, I think Mayor Lorza especially wanted to make a little bit of a splash here. He succeeded in that. But um, I think it, I think it actually pushes back a little bit um, the ability to get realistic things done in the in the school department, because, uh, again, it, it's absolutely needed. It's just I think this was the wrong approach.
0: Dan McGowan, you're right. There was no governor, no state lawmakers whom the mayor acknowledged need to change the teacher tenure law. Do we know? I mean, I I would have been shocked after what just happened, let alone. You know, Governor McKee got the endorsement from, from Bob, you know, NEA and Bob Walsh. Right. I, was there any reach out to try to get some? I, I can't imagine he would want to be there, never mind he's on vacation, but w- was there any element to try to even bring him into the mix on this? Well,
1: there was an element by the governor's office to attempt to get him to not do this, I should say. Yes. Um, right. What there, interestingly, there was an exchange that I, I asked the mayor directly. I said, look, I was like, "Have you talked directly to the governor about this? Like, have you know? Have you? Because, as you know, again, for listeners out there, currently, the truth is, Brett Smiley can't do anything about the Providence Public Schools because the state controls the system, right? And I asked, you know, have you talked to the governor? And Mayor Lewis looked at me and said, "That's Brett's job," uh, which is an interesting. It shows you the dynamic of the relationship that the current mayor has. You know, with the with the governor, uh, right. you know, who, who's going to be here for a while. But you're right. Look, there there are going to be a lot of um, uh, people who are going to be willing to jump on board uh, for something like that, especially after you, after you watch, you know, the the support, like you said, at least of the NEA. Remember the the Providence Teachers Union, part of the AFT, actually endorsed Nelly Borbea um for for governor. So That's right. There is no love lost there. I mean, Governor McKee, especially now feeling very bold or emboldened by his victory, um you know, you do wonder maybe maybe he will be willing to, you know, he'll, he'll be nice to the NEA and maybe be a little less nice to uh the AFT. I think that the the challenge here is I wouldn't expect a bunch of politicians who Without question, you know the the unions, the teachers unions especially, have way more influence and way more power, um, you know, at the state house. I wouldn't have expected you to fill the room with, uh, you know, with a bunch of politicians. What I would have liked to see, if the mayors were going to do this, would would be to see some level of might from you know, the Rhode Island Public Expenditure Council who just, you know, came out with a scathing report on schools, uh, you know, some of the business leaders, the chamber, um, you know, folks that could, that could say, hey, we've, we've got your back. Because, right, the, you go back to, the, you know, the best example of this is years ago when, when Gina Raimondo was able to get pension reform done. It, you know, when you have the broad support of the business community, you actually can move the needle to some degree they just didn't do the work on it. And I know, and, and to me, it looks like it puts Brett smiling a little bit of a bad place because he comes in and now automatically the teachers, you know, are going to be at his throat too.
0: Yeah, Dan McGowan, we hear a lot about extremists on the right-hand side, right? Like a Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah, someone sure, like that. Yeah. But we don't hear enough is, because now I, I'm, I'm friendly with Angel Tavares. I like Angel Tavares a lot. Joe Palino, I've been friends with Joe for over 20 years. I mean, I take a lot that they're willing to come forward and say to the new mayor coming in, if I had to do everything over again, you can't work with these people. You can't work with the Randy Weingarten. They they don't negotiate in good faith. Everyone talks about fixing the problem. Isn't it possible? Like, I look at this as a tremendous movement with like, if I had to go back in time, you cannot work with these people. They're not part of the
1: problem. They are the problem. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, it's a very fair point, John. Uh, and, and it is, it's, I, I don't disagree with it at all. Like I said, Providence Teachers Union have been complete obstructionists uh, ever since the takeover, and obviously long before that, but the takeover being, you know, the most, the most uh, recent and, and obvious example. I, I just, I, I think that it doesn't send the message that you, you know, it doesn't actually get you to a place where you're going to yeah. accomplish anything. You still think you can work with them. You know, I, I, I'm hesitant about that, too. And that, that's why this is a kind of a hard column to write. I'm realistic eyes wide open. The mayor was wrong. You know, Mayor Lorza was wrong when he said, you know, I, I think I can still work with these guys after they shouted them down. You know, Mayor Tavares was wrong after he, you know, fired all the teachers, even though nothing yes. really got fired. That where he thought he could work with them again, right? I mean, he held out, thought he might get an endorsement from some of the teachers, didn't end up working out for him. So their history here shows that, you're absolutely, that, that your point is right. They, they can't actually work very closely with them. I don't think that's what they need to do. I think they need to build support. You know, the example I gave was you, and I know this is uh, the sentiment that some of the mayors hold, come out and say, hey, we will we've got the money now, we'll pay you, we'll make the best offer we can. But if we're going to give you more money, we're going to make you the best paid teachers in New England. You got to do longer school day, longer school year, hiring and firing power for the you know, like the charter schools have, you can do those things. And then you put it out, then Dan McGowan and John DiPietro are saying, how could the teachers turn this thing down? That shows you, I think the message that I think that's where the, the public in some ways could turn on teachers to say, you know, the, the, it seems like Providence is being pretty reasonable here. In this case, you're not seeing that because you're not seeing these mayors kind of build any support for it. I'm also very skeptical about what they're gonna do going forward. I think Mayor Lourdes is gonna kind of disappear. You know, Mayor Tavares is to his credit is pretty outspoken about um, charter schools. He has been, you know, ever since he left office and even when he was in office. I think Mayor Pelino is somebody who Because he's got a lot going on, his focus is economic development. His focus is the buildings downtown. You're not going to hear these guys be, you know, outspoken, uh, uh, you know, former mayors about education for the next eight years. So you're handing Brett Smiley this, you know, it feels good, basically. It felt good to do that. I'm just not sure it accomplished anything.
0: Now, Dan McGowan, also, just so people are clear, what what they're basically talking about is almost bringing into providence where it, it's 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 competition it's it's yes. not just a couple they're talking about what what the way i interpreted this and i did speak with one of the mayors i won't say which one but basically it's like they have given up on trying to work with this teachers union for various reasons but they just feel at this point you just have to bring in charter schools because otherwise brett Smiley is going to get to the end of four years and There's, there's going to be no improvement. They are. You you can't trust them. Everything is a negotiation. Everything gets Weingarten involved and it just drags out, drags out. And it becomes a protest
1: on the city hall steps. I mean, yes, Yes. that's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you, you, to to give people clarity, that's right. I mean, what the, what the mayors are saying is first of all, you, you do you already have a scenario. People, this is something that has flown under the radar for a really long time. But you know, in the last couple of years, there has been before COVID, there was a, a whole bunch of charter schools in Providence that were approved to either open or expand. You're gonna get to a point in the next seven, eight years where we're gonna have a substantial number. I mean, as many as like 40% of all kids in Providence who go to public schools, remember there's a bunch that go to privates, but of, of all the kids that go to public schools in Providence, you're gonna be close to 40% of kids already going to charter schools. Uh, that number is growing every single year. There's no question that there's a demand. I'm a huge supporter of Achievement First, which is uh, the, you know, probably the best charter school going in, in Rhode Island. The thing is, is that they, go, they also tried this. They tried to get these other charter school leaders to, you know, sign on to this. And all the charter school leaders said to them, guys, this is like, we're worried about playing defense at the state house about, you know, moratoriums and funding. This is not a fight we want to have right now because we don't have the capacity to make it happen. So again, to me, right message, wrong messengers, wrong time to make it happen. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Folks, quick break, much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boss the Globe. Boy, that column, How Not to Fix the Providence Public Schools, right here on the John DiPietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to Atmed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, Urgent Health Care Facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families specializing in ambulatory medicine diagnostic treatment service at med urgent care they provide immunization school sports physicals they're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical orthopedic and trauma work-related injuries physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. We're speaking with the columnist of the Boston Globe, Dan McGowan. And Dan, I want to stay on this and this column. Where, where does this put Brett Smiley? I mean, I, I actually agree with what you're saying because now they all leave. He's kind of left holding the bag. But if someone said to me, look look at, look at what you're dealing with. They hate him already because he worked with Gina. And, and it was said, like, this is the mentality you're dealing with. They're already doing all their on on Twitter and social yep. media and everything else. But it, it, and I know I just don't think this is getting the attention it should. And your column really brought it out. But what, what he's talking about is he hasn't even taken office, and they're talking about this is a, a dangerous group to go to war with. They're talking about me like blowing up the Providence teachers contract.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, 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 what they're saying, you're right. I think surprisingly didn't get as much attention. Uh, and, and by the it way, it did in my world. <laughs> well, and get this, John. I mean. The, the reason you want to know why it didn't get as much attention or at least got kind of, um, I think, swatted by or swatted down by some of the media outlets is, you know, at the same time that this that the mayors have this unprecedented press conference to do this, uh, you know, uh, this random letter, anonymous letter comes out. You know, with with a bunch of uh, allegedly a bunch of administrators who were very unhappy with what's going on in the Providence school system. Do you think that was coincidence? <laughs> of course it was right like of course it wasn't that, that, that is something that is you know at a moment where the the mayors were going to get a bunch of attention uh, somebody thought you know what let's actually stick it to the, the, the takeover one more time So you know that that's all of what's kind of happening behind the scenes. I think the challenge that Brett Smiley has is, he, he doesn't want to on day one, especially again, when he has no control over this at the current moment, right? He can't, he's not negotiating a contract. He's not, um, you know, the only control that the mayor of Providence has over the schools right now is the buildings, uh, you know, f- fixing the buildings, paying for fixing the buildings, all of those things. Um, I think he probably would, would have much rather kind of take those recommendations very seriously, but very privately and then tried to figure out, hey, Governor, you're you're about to negotiate a contract with the teachers union again. That contract is up this spring or this summer, uh, I think end of the end of June. You know, what are we going to do? Maybe there is a hold. You know, I say hold a gun to their head or hold them hostage. In some ways, um, maybe there is that that sort of uh, uh, language and that fight is really necessary. I think Brett Smiley doesn't want to take it on kind of on his own when (laughs) it's
0: actually the governor that has to. yes yeah and Dan McGowan finally just on this though where is Governor McKee on this because to me oh boy I mean he's going to come back from Thanksgiving vacation he's going to go into this but I, I I don't I mean I also don't think he wants I mean he's supposed to be the education governor and he talked about that but he he certainly he did get the endorsement from from NEA I think when when things get tough, they circle the wagons all in this together. I, I, I don't, I mean, you tell me, I don't think the, this is the fight he wants to start off the, the new, his first official term with.
1: I don't think it is either. And yeah. I think that's unfortunate because look, the first year of this governor's office, this is where the mayor's office will be too. You're still floating on the high of all this federal money that's out there. Times are not going to be tough. You are not going to hear in 2023, You know, oh, we're facing a budget surplus. We have to, you know, we have to raise your taxes or we have to do any number of things. This is going to be good moments for this governor and this new mayor, Brett Smiley. The the hardest thing Dan McKee has to do in the first six months or so on the job is negotiate a Providence Teachers Union contract. I think it is number one in terms of just (laughs) difficulty. And you're right. I'm not convinced uh, and by the way, you have to go off his track record. And he would say, look at all the work I did on charter schools. Well, I would say point to the present, right? He yeah. just last year, he negotiated uh, a contract that did absolutely nothing to nothing. change, uh, you know, the public school department. You and yep. I talked about it a lot. So now the pressure's on him. And I think there is a way to, um, to really, uh, you know, to, to be a- aggressive with him, to urge him to do this. I think what you saw this time, though. If, if you're Governor McKee, who, like you said, is on vacation, I'm not sure how close he paid attention to this. <laughs> I, I think he looked at this and said, Angel Tavares supported somebody else. Jorge Lorza supported right. somebody else. Yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced Brett Smiley was with me, <laughs> probably right. was with Helena Folks. Yes. Uh, and I think he probably uh, writes this off, you know, almost he's emboldened by everything because it's right. I got my mandate. Um, and that's concerning because this contract. I mean, God, I've said this for the last four contracts, but this contract is so vital to actually moving this takeover forward.
0: The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition. Since 1977, delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it in and See them. All year round, 226 Coheset Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coheset Inn. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGovern of the Boston Globe. And I want to point out there's some very interesting stories in today's Boston Globe, starting with, Dan McGovern, did you watch the Trump announcement last night? The Globe has extensive coverage of it.
1: <laughs> I did. I, I always, I, Whenever Donald Trump has a big thing, I... I uh, I like to follow your Twitter feed a Oh the my way. god! Very like it
0: starts off. He's, you know, look how he's disciplined. He's so calm. He looks tan. He lost a little bit of weight. Hey, he looked good. And, he looks good. And then he looked fantastic for a guy 76 years old. And then it goes on. <laughs> then he starts talking about the raid, and it just what was supposed to be under. They told Fox under 45 minutes. Under 45 minutes. That's why Hannity didn't. They missed the end. He just he didn't even keep
1: that. It's. I I don't know. It's, I think it was a rough, I think it was a, it's a rough start. Although again, <laughs> you go back to the first, you know, everybody thought he, he killed himself on day one last time when he's talking about Mexican rapists and actually it just, it, his support, you know, jumped from there and he never, he never looked back. And so, you know, I, I'll be interested to see some of the polling. I think it. You know, you've been talking about this, and you and I know this. I think Ron DeSantis is a very credible candidate here. Uh, it's gonna, yeah. di- you know, it's gonna divide the party to some degree. But um, to me, I, you know, until I see this guy lose, I still yeah. think he's in a pretty good spot.
0: Yeah, he's ferocious in the debate stage. The ads libs though—that's what I want people to understand. Yeah. I mean. Who would say, my son, he got more subpoenas than Al Capone and Billy Pickett? (laughs) That was not written on the teleprompter. People are very clear about that. Early this morning, I could email. That was not on the teleprompter. (laughs) There's also a really interesting story about the governor. Maura Healy says she lives in Boston. In reality, she moved out of the city. You know, this would be interesting, Dan McGowan. We saw Charlie Baker. He certainly didn't want to... He, You know, in Swampscott, the different protesters go in his home. I, I think this would... This is interesting if, you know, maybe
1: I, I don't need to tell you exactly where I live.
0: I live, you know, somewhere in the city. Sometimes I'm
1: there. Maybe sometimes I'm not. Well, it shows you that the, the, I found the story to be bizarre because I just think about us in Rhode Island where, you know, you, it is just sort of natural that you know where everybody lives or you think you know where, right. where everybody lives. Um It was interesting that she didn't tell anybody and it wasn't made all that clear. I do wonder, though, you know, was it known and maybe it only just got reported now? Um, I'm not sure how much it matters. You know, obviously, she got elected with a massive mandate and she's, you know, she's in good shape there. But, you know, you don't just I I think in one of the stories, I think one of our stories you know, there was a suggestion that it might only be temporary, and I, I kept thinking, what what does that even what does that mean? It's not like Seth Magaziner moving to Cranston for a little right, while. I don't right. I don't understand what it what it exactly means. Now, granted, she's the governor, she can live wherever she wants as long as it's in Massachusetts. Um, but very strange. Uh, clearly, something that she didn't actually want people to know, at least when she was running for governor. I wonder if it was you know you you already as the democrat favorite in, in massachusetts you're already going to get labeled kind of as an elitist and all that stuff moving to came moving to cambridge i wonder if that's what she was uh maybe she just wanted to avoid that criticism but i mean she obviously won in a landslide so it wouldn't have mattered i don't think
0: yeah it could be i mean i it could be as simple as maybe you know she's going to police protection so maybe you know, need to get proper accommodations where you can have that, yes. and whatever it may be. I also want to give credit, folks, to a uh, uh, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, who was hosting a radio show last week. And I tweeted out a question and he actually, in real time, asked the person the question. I, I uh, Jim McGowan, just what, what are your thoughts? I know you interviewed Katie nee, uh, daughter of the, you know, obviously, the, I think the most powerful person in the state, yeah, uh, the labor leader, yeah. um, with the magazine, a campaign. But I, it just, and again, I'm not, you know, I don't have a tin hat on, and I'm not talking about election denier. But it, I, I just look at, like, I, I've yet to hear an explanation how Fung won with the day of voting. Fung ran close, you know. Uh, Seth magazine beat him as far as early voting, but now it's something. It's almost fourteen thousand mail ballots that Seth magazine got over. Fung's four thousand. And I, I'm just curious your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, it was one of the things I, I had on my list to want to talk to Katie Nee about oh, okay again. She's what no, but by the way, you you oh, So my
0: actually, tweet was irrelevant. Thank you.
1: No, that's just my way of shooting you down. Of course it was All relevant. Right. All <laughs> right, go ahead. No, and, and I and, and it is it, it's one of those things where um I clearly and you and I talked about this a little bit last week, clearly there was a concerted, you know, a, a strategy to do this, and she talked about it to some degree to say, yeah. You know, our job, we, we knew we were gonna get the abortion voters with us, right? That was always the thing. We needed to kind of expand the, the, the universe, as they say, and get people who vote in presidential elections only to come out. And it's just much easier when you do that, uh, you know, when you can do that with lots of time in advance, you can say, hey, you know, you, did you get your mail ballot? Did you apply for your mail ballot? You can follow up much easier. The question that you are raising that uh, you're seeing this play out nationally, right, It is why do the Democrats have such a massive advantage when it comes to, I mean, you look around everywhere around the country, you're seeing, you know, three to one margins of Democrats yeah. voting by mail. Look, in Rhode Island, part of it does come down to that organization. There was a lot of energy around Alan Fung, but at the end of the day, Alan Fung had I think a limited amount of, uh, of actual bodies to do the work, right? He had no
0: mail ballot operation unlearned, no and, mail ballot operation.
1: And so there's, you know, there's your flip side. Meanwhile, right on the, on the democratic side, you have every public employee union yes. who can do whatever they want to make this happen to yep. you know, take time off. You just have, I mean, it, it is, I, given everything that's happened in the country, it's hard to, you know, talk about this in terms of battle, but the army that the Democrats yeah. have, I think, across New England, but again, you're seeing it elsewhere. I mean, Nevada, you're seeing those, those results as, as how that happened. You're seeing it a little bit in Arizona. Um, although Carrie Lake was able to get closer, in fact, uh, though it didn't, didn't work out for her. Um, you know, I, I think it is. I think it's that, that machine that we talk about um, and it just means you're getting so many use the Providence as the example, right. Where, where somebody like Dan McKee wins 80% of the vote in Providence. I think, huh. uh, I think Seth Magazine won about 75% of the vote wow. in, in his part of you know the, the part of Providence is in the second district. The, the, the thing about the mail ballot vote is that you, pr- it, it's not so much that, you know, it's it's Garrett. You know, it's you you switch names from Republican to Democrat. It's that no. five thousand of those people probably would never have voted, right, if they right. weren't strongly urged to vote. Yes, yeah. um, and that's what this is. It's it's an aggressive thing, and I think you're seeing the Republicans. You know, you, Ashley, one of Ashley Kalis' campaign people said, "Look, Republicans have to get better at this." I think Republicans know they have to get better at it because right now it is just. It could change the electoral map everywhere for the foreseeable future unless Republicans, unless two things happen. Republicans either get better at it and, and really start to embrace it, or you know laws are overturned. I just don't think laws are going to be overturned because the Democrats benefit from it. Like in Rhode Island, there's no reason for Democrats to change laws they benefit from.
0: And that's a problem. And I want to clarify with people, when I talk about this it's also I find confusing De McGowan because different states have different regulations. Florida, the limit is three, meaning I can handle my ballot and two other people, yes. preferably family members. Here's the question I have, and I, I don't expect you to have an answer, but I don't hear them ever address it. In New England, neighboring states, Massachusetts the limit is 10. Connecticut the limit is 10. Rhode Island, it's unlimited. unlimited. I don't right. think my I want to be really clear. This is nothing about Dominion machines or anything like that. And I don't hear anyone address it, but I don't think my opinion, I don't think the campaigns should have anything to do with it. I don't think they should be touching all these ballots right now. The way it exists is someone see this business of Sousiaki, Ashley Kalis. We're going to have to get better at you. You're not going to be able that to me. That's not the solution. The solution would be if we just got in line with Massachusetts and Connecticut, which limited to 10 ballots. At least then you could take the campaigns out of it somewhat.
1: Yeah, look, I think you're you're okay. probably right in terms of the the policy uh, yes. here. I think the challenge that that you run into. I mean, again, a couple of years ago, we're talking about mail balance as being this kind of this sleazy thing that that you know uh, the the Catunios and the like the the, the, right. know, the wizards of mail balance. Lloyd ballots Griffin do. and the whole <laughs> thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you're talking about that a couple of years ago, and remember, there were good government people, Common Cause, for example, who said. Look, it is it is truly like the wrong way to approach this to allow campaigns to you know have such a major role in this. So then you you expand widely your your you know, your outing operations first, it's because of you know COVID. Then you you say oh you know it's great for expanding access, whatever well, the argument you want to make. The thing is is that we haven't addressed the campaign side of this, and no. so instead of it becoming. Instead of it just being this, you know, again the dark shadowy people in the corner. Now it's just a completely wide open process. Yeah. That if you have that organization, you know, you you have such a massive advantage. And you're right, there's probably a better way to um, to address this. Now, again, go look at the results in Massachusetts and Connecticut. Still, Democrats overwhelming. Yes, win, but. Yeah you're right. Why, why not? Why not do that in terms of a good government move to kind of take the campaigns out of this? Um, you know, they should not be handling ballots in any significant way. You know, you want to say, like, you know, politicians like Governor McKee, for example, you were critical of this, but Governor McKee, you know, going to a high rise and handing <laughs> out things. That, that's all part of campaigns. That They're allowed right. to do that. But, should his team, should his campaign manager be handling ballots for people? Of yeah. course That's no, no, I don't
0: think so. And I want to be very clear. I don't believe they, they broke... The, the problem is I don't think they broke any laws, but it just jumps out, especially what's different to me is when we used to talk about they're going to go to the mail ballots, it was normally, you know, right now, there aren't they're recounting some, some ballots. The race is really, you know, razor margin close, and then they go to the mail ballots and someone pulls it out. What I found different was... Aaron Gukini and won on election day, but then lost because of yep. the mail ballots. And then Fung, the, the polls were not wrong. Like when Seth Magaziner said, and the polls had us behind, the polls the polls were accurate. Right. The polls, Fung did, did win on election day. You cannot tabulate where they're going to come in um, with the, with, story, the,
1: with story the mail ballots. The story of the second district, I, I agree. I'm glad you said it because people have said to us, I think it's a fun narrative to say, oh, the polls were so wildly wrong. They would not roll. Channel 12, the Boston Globe, oh. three different polls, all showing that Alan Fung, 45, 46%, big undecided. Yeah, ahead of it. What what Katie Mee, uh you know, the campaign manager there, what the campaign for Seth Magaziner did with all that labor support, they changed the universe of voters. They 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 got more people to turn out, more people to do their mail ballots, uh, and and that's what changes their their election. Again, they lost. Now, would they definitely have lost if everybody had to vote on election day? It's there's no way to say that for sure, right? But winning three to one on mail ballots uh, obviously is what that's what gives you a you know a three or four point win as opposed to maybe losing by one point.
0: Yes, and the Dan McGowan, the polls on on the McKee Ashley Kayla's race weren't. That off, except he blew her away with early voting, and the mail ballots, and it's it's impossible to calculate how that's going to fall. But yeah, she was right around
1: that, where, right right where Channel Twelve and the Globe had her
0: too. No, the polls were right on the money with that, and so now and and then I mean we could go on and on. I have heard though, and I put in a request with the Board of Elections because I've heard now that these express machines were used in certain assisted living and nursing homes. If you go into a polling place. They have an express machine. It's for the blind. Uh, yeah. It's for someone who's disabled. Now, that's the first I've heard that they were using that outside of a polling place. Um, I'm going to wait to see what they come back with. But I, I I just find our voting is getting a little too complicated. I mean, I know President Trump last night said save day voting, mail ballots. I, I, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to that. But this business that, you know, there are people floating around Providence saying, I can get you 1,000. Mail ballots, I can get you yeah. 2,000 well, depending on the price. That you're, has to end.
1: You are right that that has to end. And you are even more right that that absolutely happens. And here's the difference between this year and, uh, let's say, 10 years ago. There's always been a handful of people who say, I can get you 1,000 votes. And then when election day comes, they actually get you 200 votes or 100 right. votes. Right. Now, what the mail ballots clearly show is the guys out there who are doing this work, who tell you they can get you 1,000 votes, actually can get you 2,000 votes.
0: That's right. Yes. I mean, and she, uh, from what we understand, she gave a retainer, a very expensive retainer, to the, the mail ballot king, who did deliver, by the way. I mean, he got almost 7,000 mail ballot votes for her, but right. it didn't compare to the McKee operation. Folks, I start the day, you can tell, I also like, there's a good link to... Um, Boy, Josh McDaniel, things that just going sideways for him with the, the Raiders in Las Vegas. Uh, there's all the different stories you can read in the Globe. I also love – there's a story in the Globe, Thursdays, the new Friday. <laughs> and it, it's not written by Beth Tedell, who I thought it would be, but um, – Folks, that and, and everything else. And Dan McGowan, if you'd be so kind to extend the offer to everyone that's listening, how folks you could start getting roadmap tomorrow for free in your inbox.
1: Yeah, and folks, even after an election, we still find things to write about. So every single, <laughs> every single weekday, you get an analysis from me or something interesting. We had the Rhode Island angle today on, on past presidents and how they've done you know running again after losing the office. Uh, so very simple. Send me a blank email don't have to write anything in the subject line. I'll know what it is. R-I-news at globe.com. R-I-news at globe.com. I'll sign you up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning.
0: Folks, he's Dave McGowan. excellent job as always. We'll talk to you again. Talk to you soon, John. Thanks.